Welcome, listeners. It's great to be back. I'm Chad, and I'm joined by Stephanie. Hello, hello, everyone. And we're excited because we've put a personal phone number out there. I'm scared. It's toll-free. You can text us at 833-308-0863. This is a show designed for you. It's ultimately designed to serve you, empower you, and keep out the noise from the traditional media and all the folks that get infected by it walking around, broadcasting fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I cannot tell you how much I struggle when someone brings the worst news that they've heard about the day to me. People seem to do that sometimes. They love to do it. And it's just like, you know, we're trapped in this media sickness where we think it's normal to walk around broadcasting the worst news that happened that day throughout the world. I think sometimes people just need attention though. You know, they're like, no one's paying attention to me right now. And if I give them something that will pique their interest and or scare them, they'll pay attention to me. I don't know. It's a mini cry for help, right? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you you hit the nail on the head. It's like, you know, we all crave that attention, that connection. We're all looking for it. And I think the FUD spreads because it's a way to create connection or camaraderie or, you know, to both join in and complaining about something together or bemoaning something. However, ultimately, I think it's toxic. We got to get beyond that. Yeah, I agree. So that is the sound of a note card. I've taken four very important notes and stories basically that I want to share with everyone. And Steph, the first one is about Stephen Pressfield's resistance. Yeah. We've talked about that before. Yep, we have. Pressfield's concept of resistance with a capital R, this thing that is a specter that haunts you. Anytime you aspire to do anything, you know you should. Good choices, healthy diets good habits, working a little bit harder, working a little bit smarter, taking time off, getting self-care in. The second we do the things that we need to do, not that we want to do, not the quick dopamine hits, but the really soul-satisfying work or connection with others, we're going to hear that voice of resistance, that self-doubt, that tendency to self-sabotage, the tendency to disassociate from the situation and kind of pull back a little bit if it gets a little too intimate or we risk putting ourselves out there, you know, showing who we are, wearing our heart on our sleeve. It can be scary. And that voice of resistance is always there. And what I've noticed lately is that that voice is very, very strong around certain efforts. And it might sound obvious. It might sound like, okay, this is you know an obvious thing. If you're going towards something that's like a higher noble purpose or creative work or getting back to writing the story like we were talking about, you're going to face this. But what I've noticed is that you can start to identify this and not associate it with yourself. You can really pull back from this and just realize that there is this negative force that all of us struggle with that is trying to hold us down and keep us from going to that next level and differentiating between what is your voice of healthy self-talk and what is your voice of resistance has become easier than ever for me. Whereas before I would get kind of the two of them confused. And it's very easy to think that this is like the voice of the rational mind or you're being prudent or something. And I'm just letting that go completely and accepting the idea that there is this dark negativity that each of us face. And it's a voice that you have to differentiate and overcome. I think a lot of people think 
oh, if my mind's telling me something, it must be true. And they don't, at least for me, I have to flip that and remember, like, I control my mind and my thoughts. And just because something pops into my head doesn't mean it's always true. Right. There's an endless conveyor belt of thoughts. It doesn't mean it's like wisely. And doesn't mean it's like also like a gut reaction of like, oh, I better listen to that. Like, no, your monkey mind might be just acting crazy. Everything up out there. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. You need to analyze that. And so that's the first story is that it's easier to separate between the two now. The second story that I want to share is when Steph and I have been talking about different things in the future and planning, one of the things that you kind of got on me for was not being definitely optimistic about certain things. And I'd really gotten you know, kicked in the face hard with some of the stuff that was going on. I only got on you about that because like I said, yeah. you taught me that principle. Yeah. Then when you were not speaking with that language to show definite optimism around the future, to me, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, you're the one who taught me that concept. And now I am having to teach the grasshopper his own <laughs> concept back. That is probably not the phrase, but I just went with it. I'm happy to chirp my legs or (laughs) wings and uh, hop along. Chippetto. Because uh, we all need that from time to time. And that was something that I'd forgotten and that I'm slowly relearning. I was noticing in my writing today that it's starting to get back. So I'm starting to write a little bit more in the mornings now. And there are things that I am definitely optimistic about. So I would encourage you, if you're struggling with this too, to be completely sure and completely set on the fact that you can make the future better than the past, I would encourage you to just go all in on it, explore it, and whatever small thing you can find that you can be definitely optimistic about, I would go all in on that. And, and look at the definition of that circles too. around there. Yeah, like sure. look at the there's the two, the definitely optimistic and the indefinitely optimistic. Like one is you're so certain that something's going to happen versus the other one's like, nah, not so sure. I'm still just a happy-go-lucky, like optimistic person, but I'm not really so sure about that path. Like two very different things. Right. Check out the four quadrants of this for more and just Google it and you can check it out. Third story. Yep. So we were talking about receiving, about trust, surrender, receive, and how that kind of formula works on yesterday's podcast. And the receiving part is really, really interesting now because I'm, you know, put in a position where I just took up a couple of people on specific help that they had offered with, for introductions and things like that. And I no longer have this sense of worry around receiving. And it is thrilling for me because I'm going to be able to start receiving more. And One of the benefits of this for everyone out there who is practicing this art or getting better at it, one of the benefits, one of the ideas I just want to share with you that I'm thinking about is how do I receive in such a way where nothing is lost, where I can immediately pass on any type of benefit or uh, basically how I can take the benefit and put it in the right place or pass it off in the right way to the right team member in order to capitalize on it. Often when we receive, you know, there can be that voice that wants to push back on it. But when we really get conscious about receiving with no guilt and realizing, okay, I've done the work, it's okay to receive. The next question becomes, how do we make sure that the opportunity, the benefit 
is put in the right place, the right bank account, the right uh, person gets you know gets to go along with this this benefit with you. How do you pass it along to others? I think that's uh, that's so important. Yeah, and I'd say not worrying about it not working out perfectly. I think a lot of times people don't receive because they're worried that you know what they built this outcome to be right. won't end up being that great, or it'll come with a lot more work. And it seems like people can build up a whole entire story around what it means to actually receive that intro, receive, you know, whatever it may be. For sure. Because you might blow it or because it's a lot more work, but like instead just take it and see where it goes. And I don't know, I like the idea of just kind of like whatever happens, like, well, you know, don't worry about the other side yet until you're even there. Like why come up with a thousand scenarios of like what's going to happen? Because you'll just drive yourself crazy. Like just go for it. And do not ruminate endlessly when an opportunity comes. Just explore. Yep. And this brings us to our fourth story. The importance of not discarding everything as you go or as you move from project to project is critically important. The insights that you have right now, no matter where you're at in your career, in your life, in your, uh, in your journey, it's very tempting to think, well, I haven't really learned anything. I haven't really accomplished anything. I don't have anything to show for it. I promise you, you do. The challenge is in, just like we talked about at the top of this episode with resistance, the challenge is in appropriately valuing the insights that you have. Nobody else's insights or discoveries are valuable to you. They can be, you know, there's kind of like a spillover effect, but ultimately your insights, what you've discovered however small or inconsequential you think it is, hold on to it and build it and iterate it as you go. We've talked about this with creative projects, but one of the examples that I wanted to bring up is rocket propulsion. So I was reading a really fascinating article today about some of the nuclear-powered rockets that were developed by Los Alamos National Lab and Lawrence Livermore National hey, Labs. had them on the show. Yeah, what up, we, Bill? <laughs> we had Bill, the director of Lawrence Livermore National Labs, a fascinating organization on the show that's done a lot of research that has been top secret. And it's easy if you look at rocket technology right now to think that, oh, we have these jet propulsion systems that rely on liquid fuel or, or gas or you know whatever the specifics are. We have like this ion propulsion that's theoretical that's coming online soon. We forget that in the heyday of rocket technology, when Kennedy first proposed to go to the moon, there was this whole effort for nuclear rocket technology that actually got a really long ways um, into development. There were all of these engines that were tested by Los Alamos and Lawrence Livermore. Uh, There's a fascinating article I just shared on Twitter at Chad Grills. You can read more about this. And this is a great example of a technology and a hard-won insight getting discarded or forgotten about by so many along the way and thinking that we have to go on this uh, very linear path of rocket you know, betterment or development, when in reality, some of our most shining innovations happened a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, first, when, right after Kennedy first proposed, like, we're going to get to the moon, uh, Werner von Braun laid out this plan to create two nuclear-powered large-scale rockets and send them to Mars, so create a manned mission to Mars, uh, launching, I believe, in 79, and it would wrap up in 81. 
And this was a plan for a while because of the accelerating development of safe nuclear rockets. And of course, they're, you know, the safe word, you got to unpack that because there's, you know, there's nothing safe and especially in the world of rockets. Yep. Um, but this is just one example, like a, a high kind of thriller type uh, example of where technological developments or hard won insights cannot be left behind. We need people to go back and unearth these things. And in your own life, especially, you have to appropriately value the insights that you've won and the tools at your fingertips. I forget who I was just talking to on the commerce podcast that I host. I can't remember. Someone's up next in commerce. Up next in commerce. Check it out. I'm the best host ever. But there was someone very smart that I was talking to. And he said that a lot of um, startup founders and actually any CEOs in general, sometimes are so ready to jump to the next thing because they forgot how hard it was to get there. They forgot how hard it was to get product market fit and they don't remember the struggle. They're like, oh, time to pivot up, oh, you know. I have this one business running and like, maybe let's try something new. Yeah. And he's like, that's like the biggest detrimental thing I see happen is people not valuing the work that they actually put in to get there and then leveraging that to move forward instead of just jumping to the new shiny thing. Such a good reminder. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. And the final thing I'll share is that remember, even massive institutions like Walmart were started with a single store. And Sam Walton didn't open up his second store until seven years later. His book is really, or the book about him is really good. Made in America. Shout yeah. out to Sam Walton and the Waltons over there at Walmart. And speaking of technologies, speaking of amazing tools at your fingertips, text us at 833-308-0863. Questions, comments, concerns. What are you excited about? What do you want to hear us discuss? Or do you just want to get a shout out on the show? Either way, text us. We would love to hear from you. And Steph, you know what time it is? Time to get out of this hot, sweaty studio. (laughs) It's that and it's time for dinner. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. We love you. We'll see you soon. See ya. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.